Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week, yet again, I am looking for yet another yet boat boat book to help me. Our two high school English teachers, one of which works at the locks. Ian and Joe. <laughs> oh, there are Nick. There are locks in my book this week. Um, oh, yeah, of what course kind of locks? What is a lock, Joe? Because I didn't. Oh, uh, how long of the answer do you want? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lock is uh, the very simple answer. Is rivers change elevation? Sometimes they, sure they change elevation very rapidly, and uh, they change it in a way that is too rapid for boats to successfully navigate. Locks are points that they put into rivers that allow you to gently go uh, down the river or back up the river without doing something like going over a waterfall or a dam or something like that. Going over a waterfall, I think, is is uniformly a bad thing for a boat. Well, right. And, he, and here's the thing. You can go over a waterfall like downstream, but if you want to come back upstream, waterfalls pose huge challenges, uh, thus the invention of the lock. My name is Joe Holshu. I'm I, I am a lock tender in the summers. Um, I also teach high school as a side gig. Um, this week, I didn't bring a book because I brought a book last week and it to- should totally win. If you want me to win, go ahead and text Ian wins to four, five, one, six, three, eight, two, one, 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 and the letter W at the end of it. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, 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 <laughs> Nick, I know there's usually like a lot of shucking and jiving at the beginning of these episodes, but I know this is obviously a different type of format that we're going with. I thought I might start us off with a game. Oh, if that yeah. Was Highly unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's perfectly acceptable, Joe. Thank you for bringing Beautiful. a game. Did you bring a yeah. game, Joe? I did bring a game. Uh, Nick, the name, name of this game is yep. called Name That Boat. And as I was thinking about this week, um, I, as I was thinking about this week and thinking about like the different themes that could tie mm. Ian's book and my book together, I was thinking... Probably about boats. Considering I've never actually been on like a big sailing boat, it's kind of crazy how many boats, like famous ships throughout history, I just know the names of, Mm. right? Like like boats, ships have entered our imagination in a way that I think is surprising, both in the real world, right? Like famous real world ships and the one that we live in fiction boats, right? Right. Famous fictional boats. And are you at what size do you start calling it a vessel? And not a mm. a boat. Yeah, I think ocean feet? going, ocean going. Well, ocean great going. I would say, I would say, if you can go downstairs in it, it's not a boat anymore. It's a vessel. Oh. I feel like if if there is an upstairs and a downstairs, that is at least uh, there, at least oh, a deck. I thought if the boat could go downstairs. Yeah, right. I mean, and that's the other thing. If it has the special add on <laughs> that you buy, in, in this. it's the upgrade. It's a subscription fee. Joe, are we going to have the name boats? How does this get, how does you this are game going work, to have to name boats. Yeah. So I am going to give you a clue. I'm going to give you a Jeopardy style clue. Um, and I think I've built them well. I think there's a couple hints in all of these. I'm going to give you a Jeopardy style clue. I think we'll have y'all ring in for these clues with <gasps> oh, the famous whatever you want to do. Um, and um, you are trying to name that boat. There are 10 points on the board. Ooh, there are you have 10, 10 points. 10 questions. Seems, I have 10 famous boats. Seems like and I a think significant you have a amount. Reason. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, 
For number one, this ship ridden by Charles Darwin during his famous voyage helped lay the foundation. Ian. What is the HMS Beagle? The correct answer is the HMS Beagle. Ian, give yourself a bow. <laughs> all right. Um, it's going to be a right. fast 10. Here we go. This doomed whaling ship captained by Ahab and Herman Melville's famous novel. <laughs> Ian. What is the Pequod? The Pequod is correct. All right. Number three. This famous pirate ship commanded by Captain Jack Sparrow had black sails and was known for its speed and agility. Keep going, Ian. Its name is a reference to the precious the gem. The black it is the what is the Black Pearl? Black Pearl. Nick, do you plan on participating in this game? Maybe you don't understand the rules. It seems that Nick is 100% checked out. <laughs> this ship famous in Greek mythology. Nick, I've got a Greek boat for you. Ooh. Was was, um, oh. mass, was helmed by the Argonauts. The, Ar- the, the aliens? <laughs> and, and captained by Jason. The correct answer oh, oh, here oh, is... Yeah, the yeah. ship of the what is the ship of Theseus? Uh no, Nick, would no. you like to try to take the point? No, I don't know it, Joe. The I don't correct, know any the of these. The correct answer is the Argo. Um Nick, oh, oh. this Nick, do you know the name of um Captain Hook's ship? No. Uh, it is the Jolly Roger. Um, Jolly Nick, Roger. Fill, fill, fill in the blank. The Nina, the Pinta, and why the... is this just about me? Well, because you're doing so <laughs> poorly. I've adjusted the game on the fly. Ian has already won the game. Now I just want to see. What is it called when there's waves Nick and it's knows. scary, Nick? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the remaining boats um, are the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. The Mayflower, uh, of course, captained by the uh, brought over the pilgrims. Those are boats. Those are boats. Um, and two one more, more. Joe. Uh, two more. Um, Nick, you got this one. This famous spacecraft commanded by Captain James T. Kirk in the Star Trek series has traveled through time space on many adventures. Oh, wait, I'm going to make the chest noise. Mm-hmm. Nick, Nick, for all the points. What is the Enterprise? What is the Enterprise? Congratulations. Go. I think it was a tie. I think I skipped space one boat. of them. Hey, oh, we should do not, space boats as a theme. Did you space not boats. put... Did you not put the Titanic on there? That's I did like not a put the Titanic boat. in there. No, I skipped a, a couple boat. of them. Yeah, um, I tried to... I tried to Pick Too boats easy. that you could like associate with a name. So like HMS Beagle, Charles Darwin, okay. Pequod, okay, Captain Ahab, good. Black Pearl, uh-huh. Johnny Depp, uh-huh. et cetera. And I don't um, know anybody on the Titanic. I just want to comment. So Joe, you brought a book this week called Three Men in a Boat. Mm-hmm. I also prepared a game, which you're not going to play because you don't have time for it. Jesus um, Christ. But my, bo- my game. <laughs> Does your game help my- us learn about the book as well as we play nope, it? Nope, it Which makes it an book. enriching experience. No, it was just about boat boat names. <laughs> no, <laughs> my the game is. The theme of the week so, is boat books. So Jesus Joe's book Christ. is Three Men in a Boat. Uh-huh. His game focused on the boat part of that. My Ooh. game focused on the three men part of it. So I was going to ask that. you about famous trios in history, but we're not going to because I want to hear about this book because, guys, here's the deal. All right. I have a weird relationship with this book. In that I listened to it, showing my age here. I listened to it on tape, not on audiobook, wow, but on tape. Cassette. Really good. A long time ago, <clears throat> on a on a trip to Yellowstone National Park with my family, we were driving. It doesn't in our, feel thematically appropriate for a trip to Yellowstone. No, it does Park not. <laughs> no, it does not. But um, I remember as a as a young child, like kind of thinking this is bonkers and weird and pretty pretty funny. I have no knowledge of what it is beside that, beside mm-hmm. this positive connection to the Yellowstone National Park. And <laughs> it was funny. So I, I am, I am going to learn today from you, Joe. I'm not going to talk over you very much. Joe, you want to tell us what the book is about? I think that'd be a great place to start. This book is about three guys that take a boat ride up the river Thames. Uh, the three guys in this boat, like the three men in this boat, they're kind of like, 
layabouts. Like they're kind of dandies is what it seems like. Like they seem like they're born into some comfort, right? Like some comfort in their lives. Um, small things in their lives are very big tragedies, right? Like um, they, they all have like various imaginary ailments that they suffer from. And they think, you know, it would be good for us. We need to get out of the city and we need to go rough it. And the way that they rough it is they hire a boat on the River Thames. Um, and th- this this is a boat that's like meant to camp in. So you would like go up the river or down the river as 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 it happens. Um, you would spend your days like rowing or putting up the sail and going through locks. And at night you would camp either in the boat or like on the shore, uh, on the banks of the river. And it's a two-week trip, and that's what this book, book goes over. So it's three old men on a, a slow vacation. I don't think they're, they're, they're old. young. I think they're they're young. actually quite young. They, like, I get the sense oh. they're, like, like just adults, right? Yeah, like, kind of like, kinda kinda like their- a chi- Chinless wonder, sort of. Ian was talking about cassette tapes, so I had just labels. old. Well, 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 in well my let's head. be very clear: the book is old. The book yeah. is old. The men in the book, uh, Nick, this might blow your mind. Uh, this book is published in 1889, but in wow. 1889, they also had 20 year olds. Like in 1889, some people were 20 years old. Seems they impossible. Did. Joe, is this book kind of mocking these chumps and or their their social status? Are they the butt like, of this joke? They sound uh, like yeah. idiots. Are they, they idiots? Are okay. There's this idea in comedy of like, um, but punching up in comedy, right? Like you yep. punch up in comedy. Like you make fun of people who are like pompous or dandy or have more social class than you. That's why we all make fun of Nick because of my immense wealth. <laughs> And stature. The, the, the <laughs> Linheads pointed him on the street and, and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> so this book is absolutely punching up. Like this book is, is very much like these three guys you are supposed to look at. You are supposed to poke fun at. You are supposed to see like, oh, these three like upper crust-ish guys are really bad at camping on this boat, which is wild because camping on this boat seems really really easy are they like oh hey bill where are the matches we need to start that fire and they're like oh i put them in the water bag you know the bag with all the water in it right it's just like you've got it it's 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 stuff like that like at one point nick you know ian's book is about like these gruesome things like this clash of wills and cannibalism right my book also contains clashes of wills but like (laughs) the drama in my book comes around like trying to open a can of pineapple and there's like three pages around them trying to open this can when they didn't forgot to pack a can opener and it's hilarious like it's funny it's silly i think there's a hack to that i think you like don't you like do something like around the lid like you can rub a rock around the top and it comes mm, off or something like yeah, that you smash it against a rock you um, smash many, it good many times yeah i smash <laughs> you it smash a larger it rock and you push it Okay, so the premise is just, yep, we're going on a trip. It happens. Is it? This sounds like an incredibly light read, and it, it's it is, funny. Is it funny? It is hilarious. And hilarious, as we've talked about many times folks. on this, as we've talked about many times on this show, it's very hard to convey humor uh, to tell you about something that I found funny. So yes. let me just give but you some. Um, but we all. <laughs> But we whenever you try. say that, you end up trying. It's but I'm gonna try. This one's different, you guys. Seriously. Number one, our narrators are like th- these pompous, like self-absorbed dudes. Right? Is this like, Frasier on a boat? 
it's that's not terrible. Yeah, that's not terrible, right? Like like Fraser, like this incredibly earnest narrator about like the thing that is going on here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and the narrator here is fellow earnest. podcaster. He's also judgmental about the other two guys that are on right. this boat. So he's frequently pointing Niles. out their foibles, right? Like, oh, this guy's never worked a day in his life. Let me tell you how lazy he is. When of course, like our narrator narrator is also incredibly lazy. So like. He's judgmental, he's pompous, he's pointing out others' foibles, and he's also, like, laughable. Like, he is also ridiculous. To answer your question, Ian, I think humor comes in... So that, that's, like, number. That's like one of the driving engines of the humor here, right? Is we're getting this world through this worldview that we don't agree with, that we think is ridiculous. Number two, this book is filled with one-liners, like, like absolutely filled with sentences that just are like dry and wry and catch you off guard. So like at one point he's talking about like watching another man working and he says, I can't sit still and see another man slaving and working. I want to get up and superintend. I want to walk around with my hands (laughs) in my pockets and tell him what to do. It's my energetic nature. I can't help it. It almost feels like watching um, almost like a sketch comedy show. Like it's like just scene after scene after scene. Like it kind of reminds me of like an episode of like Monty Python's Flying Circus or something like that. Right. Or like when you think of when you think of the Monty Python movies, how it is just like a larger narrative. Sure. But that's not really the point. The point is all the little comedy scenes that lead to the conclusion of this book. Right. So that's waka 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 waka. That's exactly it. All right, Joe, who's the author here? Uh, The author is a guy named Jerome K. Jerome, and this is the other thing that I think is pretty interesting about it. This is a kind of autobiographical story, right? Like, he is the (laughs) pompous narrator in this, and he understands, like, his ridiculousness and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, He is this guy, he was born to a family that had been wealthy, is what it seems like, right? Like he was born in a house that has a name, for example, right? Like you, like this Eddington Manor or whatever. His parents had made some poor investments. His dad was like, like just kind of kicked around, like dabbled in architecture, but like his parents died when he was like 13 years old. Like I think his dad died and then 15 years old, his mom died. And he kind of was this guy that had to hustle for a living like he was born into money and he found himself in a life where he had to hustle he really wanted to be a man of letters right like he had grown up with a pretty good education had gone to like boarding schools and things like that but also he had to earn money and the way that he did that was well twofold number one he had a job where he had to walk up and down the train tracks and pick up coal that fell out of boxcars right like gather coal which is quite a fall from grace and then number two he published things like he would write and publish on the side and kind of got some acclaim during his 20s, got married when he was about 30 years old, went on a camping boat trip with his wife for his what? honeymoon, Uh-oh. came Uh-oh. back and was like, oh, I got a story. <laughs> I got a story here. Nice. Is, is one of is one of the um, they're all is his one wife of, is one of the characters is <laughs> all of them are his wife, because when he set out to write this, he was like. I want to write a travelogue. Like, I want to write a travel guide for people who might be interested in doing this thing, right? But I don't really think it should be my wife because I don't want it to be like a sweetly sentimental sort of thing. So instead of my wife, I'm just going to like pretend it was my two buddies along, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to pretend fabricate some funny scenes. So this guy's a liar. Well, and Uh as the drafts went on, like the funny scenes 
just totally took over, right? Like just totally took over. He's like, I drafted it. I had the travelogue stuff about like the things to do in this little town, like these little towns around the Thames, but people really seemed like they liked the funny stuff. So as I drafted more and more, the, the travelogue stuff shrank to a paragraph here or there about like, wow. this is what to do. And it just turned into this laugh riot. Did his wife leave like any Goodreads reviews or like, <laughs> how did she feel about this? Well, well, I think she probably felt pretty good about it because this book was insanely popular when oh, it was released. Um, he, it sold in huge numbers. Um, it sold something like, a like a million copies in England in its first copy in its Whoa. first run. And then they thought it sold another million bootlegged copies in America, right? Oh. So pirated copies in America, like pirate presses, which is an awesome idea. That feels like a theme for a show, like pirate press books. Um, it was taught in schools in Russia, right? Like it was like a Russian classroom text. In fact, his publisher said, I love this. He said, quote, I pay Jerome so much in royalties that I can't imagine what becomes of all the copies of the book that I issue. I think the public must be eating them. Eating them. <laughs> oh my God, that's incredible. So I have a one-star review, Joe, from mm, DT. Uh, this is a very bad book. I hate this book. Jerome K. Jerome is mad. Mad like, like crazy. Like, 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 like he, He's mad. He's mad. Yeah, well, that's a bad one. That's a bad review. Yeah. That's a bad this, is this one says boring. I just didn't like the story, nor was it funny or interesting. I only had mm. to read it because of... Because I grew up in a Russia. Because Russia. <laughs> and it's designed in schools. <laughs> Vladimir Putin personally told me I had to read this. This is really interesting because um, 1889, you said? 1889. Like today, a million copies is a lot of copies. Yeah. In 1889... 1889 like, this is that's published. a lot a lot of copies it's that's pretty insane. incredible it's saying it, it's 1889 it is um it, it's wild to read though because like the humor in it feels super fresh um the version of this i mostly listened to um nick this is a good selling point for you um it was on spotify for free read what? by hugh laurie right like what? an audiobook version oh just goodness. read by hugh laurie and it's great because he of course captures that that britishness of it of of as of this as of today when this is released i am uh, in the throes of a summer road trip um i think i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna go ahead and listen to this boat book as I, as I read i think you're selling me joe this it's is incredible a good boat book the only other thing i have to say about this book is i feel like one of the charms of this book is it's the kind of book that would not be published anymore today, right? Like it is kind of publishes today. Well, it's it's kind of book. It's meant for a different time. Like it's meant for a time in which like reading was a primary form of entertainment. Like you couldn't you know go on YouTube, you couldn't watch TV, right? Whatever it is. Like this book is meant for just pure mirth, right? Like pure mirth, pure enjoyment. Like you are meant to sit down, read this out loud, possibly to somebody, wow. and you're meant to laugh with it together. And it's it's in. What do you mean, read it with somebody? Maybe read it with somebody. It's a book that doesn't aspire to literary merit. I don't think. Like it's a book that tries to be really funny. It's like pure. It's like successful. pure entertainment. Pure entertainment. Um, well, welcome to Tiffany's Joe, a safe yeah, place Joe. for you to tell me all the bad things about your book without it being held Break against it down. you. Lock it Absolutely. up. What did you hate about this book? The weirdest thing about this book, the most jarring thing about this book is 
Jerome K. Jerome never totally abandoned the idea of this being a travelogue, of this being like an actual travel guide. So there would be these chapters filled with hilarious scenes of, of foibles, right? And then every once in a while through this chapter, there'd be a paragraph and literally it would just be a paragraph and it'd be like, let me tell you about this little town that we were in. And he would write about it in this florid language like this this overly flowery florid like like there's these walking trails and the spire and it like it inspires the imagination and all this stuff and it wasn't bad by any means but you got to yourself thinking like what is this like like this is not the book i'm reading so (laughs) this travel advice doesn't hold up a hundred years later (laughs) (laughs) whiplash meanwhile back to the idiots who can't open a can of pineapple back to the idiots with the pineapple yes so tiffany's that's it like it's weird at times yeah Um, and you end up just ignoring those sections and skipping on to the next funny part gentlemen i just want to thank you for bringing two excellent excellent boat books i mean truly you're welcome you have not let this series of boat book boat books down hey, as far as boat books go we each brought one so boat books yeah three boat books three sometime in the future because there are a lot of boat books there are a lot space of boats books. that's our next space one. boats space that's boats good. let's do it uh joe you lose that sounds oh, really damn. boring um I bet, it's, I bet it's funny <laughs> I uh maybe you, it's Nick. funny i don't know uh-huh. it sounds a little you know like i don't know i don't know about that do you know what i mean no, I, I don't know what you mean. Uh, you I am offended. I mean. Hugh Laurie is offended and we both hate you. No. All right. Oh, well, Lidheads, um, I'm I'm sorry. I do recommend that you go and listen to this free on Spotify, read by Hugh Laurie. Absolutely hilarious and pretty dang short. Um, if you want to help the show, the best thing you can do is head on over to you don't know lit podcast.com. Suggest a theme, suggest a book, maybe a space boat book, because I'm going to have a hard time. Wrapping Probably my not, on that not right one. away. Maybe just no. another book. Maybe a non-book. And don't yeah. suggest funny books because Nick doesn't like funny books, guys. <laughs> he likes cannibal books. Get those funny boats off my lawn. <laughs> All right. Um, you can suggest his theme. You can suggest a book. You can tell um, request uh, sticky. Beyond that, you can rate and review on your podcast player of show of choice, and of course, you can always tell a bookish friend. Thank you, Litheads. We love you, Litheads. Congratulations, Ian. Congratulations, Pirates. Pirates. Not New congratulations Pirates. to Nick. He's All right. my enemy. So I teased in last week's episode. We got to iron that and kink out. In last week's episode, I read you a kind of a cliffhanger part where the captain shoots a guy in the head. Um, that's the end of a chapter. So we're going to pick up, pick up after he shoots the guy in the head. Just, Yay. just to, so, so, so Nick's, um, this, this is kind of a hinge point in the book. Um, and it's, it's an important, it's an important moment, both for, for Bulkley, our, our bad guard, our, sorry, our, our gunner and for the captain who is, um, also bad. Um, so I'm going to give you the lead up again. Hearing the shot and the shouting about mutiny, Captain Cheap burst out of his dwelling. His eyes were ablaze, his pistol already in hand. Squinting in the rain, he looked around for Cousins, whom he was certain had fired the bullet, and shouted, Where's that villain? There was no reply, but he spied Cousins amid the growing crowd. Cheap walked over and, with neither questions nor ceremony, placed the cool tip of the barrel against Cousins' left cheek. Then, as he would later describe it, he, quote, proceeded to extremities. Chapter 14 At the sound of the blast, midshipman John Byron ran from his hut and saw Cousins on the ground weltering in his blood. Captain Cheap had shot him in the head. Many of the men stood back, afraid of Cheap's rage, but Byron went over and knelt by his friend's side as the rain washed over him. 
Cousins was still breathing. He opened his mouth to say something, but no words came out. Then he, quote, took me by the hand, Byron recalled, shaking his head as if he meant to take leave of us. The crowd had become uneasy. Bulkley observed that Cousins' notorious disrespectful words to the captain might probably make the captain suspect his design was mutiny, but it was clear that Cousins had no weapon. Byron thought that however wrong Cousins' actions had been, Cheap's response was inexcusable. The onlookers continued to stir as Cousins lay before them barely alive. The unhappy victims seemed to absorb their whole attention, Byron recalled. The eyes of all were fixed upon him, and visible marks of the deepest concern appeared in the countenances of the spectators. Amid the rising clamor, Cheap ordered the men to stand in assembly. Bulkley wondered if he and his men should get their weapons. But on consideration, I'd have thought better to go without arms, he recalled. Cheap's once solid frame had been eaten away by hunger, yet as he faced the line of men, he held his ground, gripping his pistol. He was flanked by his allies. After Bulkley indicated that his own men were unarmed, Cheap laid his gun down in the mud and said, I see you are, and I have only sent for you to let you all know I am still your commander, so let every man go to his tent. There was a moment of uncertainty as the sea broke against the shore. Bulkley and his men knew that if they refused to comply, they would be taking the first step toward overthrowing their appointed captain and upending the rules of the navy, the rules that they had lived by. Cheap's rash shooting of Cousins had nearly provoked, quote, open sedition and revolt, but eventually, Bulkley retreated, and the rest of the castaways followed suit. Byron, who went to his hut alone, observed that the company's resentment seemed smothered for the present. Finally, Captain Cheap ordered that Cousins be taken to the sick tent. 